And it's a drive to right field by Joshua Palacios. Look at him go! Oh, Brooklyn, baby! Clear the deck with a huge pinch hit cannonball. Three-run blast. Oh, baby! Goosebumps, Brownie. Yeah, Wrigley can sit down now. Palacios appropriate that he will squeeze it. Pirates hang on to win it 8-6. That is a tough loss. What's going on? Happy Friday and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Craig Sandlin filling in for your regular host, Nick Kirby, who is on the IL uh, with a nasty sore throat that I promise you, you do not want to hear. Welcome to Chatterbox Reds, your daily home for live post-game shows after every game on YouTube. And we'll have podcasts every single day for the rest of the Reds season. And as always, we are presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Coming up on today's show, Nick chatted with Shane Neal about a bunch of different Reds topics. Later on, I'll preview the Reds series against the Pirates and recap the Reds minor league action from Thursday night. The only NL wildcard team that really matters to the Reds that was in action on Thursday was the Cubs. And as you heard in the opening audio, the Pirates beat the Cubs 8-6. to The Cubs are now 3-10 and in their last 13 games, the worst record in the NL. There were also some really good positives for the Reds in that game. The Cubs late all for nothing rally forced the Pirates to use their top two setup guys for the second straight day and closer David Bednar had to throw 24 pitches. Julian Merriweather of the Cubs also threw 21 pitches in that matchup. He's probably the Cubs top relief pitcher at this point with Albert Alzale now on the IL. Take a listen to what David Ross had to say about the Pirates after the game calls didn't go our way um the offense is there you know that's you know not a good team they just took two out of three from us uh, or not our caliber team i believe and um you know we just got to turn around interesting take from a manager after a three and ten slide i uh have to say i'm glad our manager would never do that let's take a look at the nl wildcard standings as they stand on thursday evening heading into friday morning the Phillies have a commanding five-game lead on the first NL wildcard spot. At this point, it feels like they are a shoe-in. They sit at 84 and 69. The Diamondbacks are on fire right now and sit at 81 and 72 with a two-game lead on the second NL wildcard spot. But there are lots of teams vying for that third spot. The Cubs and Marlins both have a 79 and 74 record, and they're tied for the third and final NL wildcard spot. While our Reds sit at 79 and 75 just a half game back of the cubs and marlins for that wild card spot and i gotta tell you if you would have asked us after the game on wednesday afternoon if you would have told us that we were only a half game spot half game back i think we all would have taken that and would have been shocked the giants on the other hand lost to the dodgers seven to two and now sit below 500 at 76 and 77 they are three games back and quite frankly they are probably out of the race at this point the fangraph playoff odds at this point as i record it the diamondbacks as i said sit at 87 percent uh the marlins at 53.4 Cubs at 32.6 
and the Reds sit at 24.0%. I turn it over now to Nick as he visits with Shay Neal and catches up on a variety of topics about this Red squad. Shay, just overall, wanted to get your general thought of kind of where things stand with the Reds and uh, where you're at with, with eight games to play. Yeah, well, you know, it's exciting. And obviously, uh, the end of that twin series, not the way we wanted it to end, uh, not the way we necessarily wanted it to go. But I mean, at the end of the day, uh, this is like you said a couple of days ago, uh, this is the, you know, the first real playoff chase the Reds have been in. And uh, it feels like two decades because they've either in the playoff appearances they've made, they have either had the division wrapped up or they've been out of playoff contention by this point in the season. So I'm enjoying the ride. Obviously, I hope it ends with a, cha- a trip to the playoffs just for the experience, even if nothing happens. But uh, I'm enjoying the ride because uh, there's nothing like late September baseball and we're having a lot of fun with it. Two players that have really stepped up for the Reds offensively have been Christian Encarnacion Strand and Noel V. Marte. What's your thoughts about those guys and if those guys should both be in the lineup each of the last eight games? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think they're very different players, at least at this point. Um, CES obviously was swinging very, very good bat down in AAA and came up and struggled to start his big league career and now has really kind of turned it around and come on and he's barreling up baseballs and he's given the Reds the power supply that they've really lacked all season long. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he's a great, um, option in the, that, uh, five, six hole. When, if you can get a couple guys on, he's the guy that kind of can deliver the big knockout punch, if you will. Noel V. Marte is a guy that I really didn't even think we'd see in Cincinnati this year. He's just 21 years old. I love his approach at the plate. Uh, and he's got a ton of talent as we've seen, but I think he's completely ahead of schedule from what I expected. And the fact that he's just putting together quality at bat after quality at bat even when he gets out nick i mean it's full count two two i mean he's just he's a tough tough hitter to face at 21 years old and uh that's exciting for the the prospect of this reds rebuild because uh well i shouldn't say rebuild because it's over but um the prospect of this reds future because you know when noelvi Marte and some of these other hitters are 24 25 if they're already having this much success in their early 20s when they're in their mid-20s, they could very well be some of the best players in baseball. All right, so I feel like we didn't maybe give Hunter Green enough conversation. We tried our best we could after the tough loss on Wednesday, but he was just incredible, and I feel like he's just pitching as good as maybe he's ever pitched. What's your thoughts on Hunter Green right now? He's been, like you said, I mean, everything the Reds could have wanted him to be at this point in the year. I mean, coming off of that uh, that hip injury that was bugging him for a majority of the middle part of the season and just what he's been able to do in his last uh, four outings. I believe uh, Bryce Spaulding tweeted his last five or four or five starts and uh, just an absolutely sensational performance from Hunter Green where he's, I believe, got an ERA of like 2-5 in his last four outings. His strikeout numbers are crazy. Uh, he's just been so, so good and exactly what you want from an ace at this stage in the year. Uh, and the Reds, uh, really when they really needed it, obviously you're down to basically three starting pitchers and an opener. And, uh, one of those starters and Andrew Abbott's had a great year, but he could be running on fumes for all we know. And the other one of those starters, Connor Phillips probably shouldn't have been in the big leagues this year. And, uh, you know, just spun a really good game himself, but we don't really know what he's bringing to the table each and every outing yet. So, the one consistency you thought you were going to have was Hunter Green. 
He's been dominant, and uh, I mean, 14 strikeouts, unless your name is Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander, 14 strikeouts is probably going to end up being the best day of your career. All right, a lot of talk about Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, obviously, the, the numbers have been uh, a struggle of late. Two-part question here for you, Shay. Uh, what's your thoughts on, does he still have any upside this season, and are you any real concern for beyond this season in the future? Part one of your question, I would say, yes, he does still have upside. I think uh, it might not be as much upside as we originally thought when we called him up, uh, but I still think, obviously, the speed he brings to the table, the just raw ability of um, being able to hit any ball that's thrown 450 feet, um, that's not something you find in a lot of players. And I know that it's been a frustrating second half for Reds fans and for Ellie uh, with the inconsistencies and the learning and the growing uh, but uh, something that, you know, John Sadak mentioned on the broadcast is I think I'd be willing to bet not many 21-year-olds in the history of baseball have been pitched tougher than Ellie De La Cruz. I mean, he is – pitchers fear his skill set because they do not give him anything to hit very often. And uh, obviously there will be some adjusting and some growing that he'll need to do in terms of laying off breaking balls and recognizing fastball out of the hand versus changeup or – uh, what have you. He's still obviously, I think it's, uh, I've said it a couple times this year, Nick, I think the, just the outstanding running start from Matt McClain and Spencer Steer and now Noel V. Marte just makes, it puts Ellie in a tough spot because you have three really good rookie hitters that have just not really struggled at any point this year. And then we've seen guys like CES and Ellie go through slumps. And then all of a sudden people think they're not good when really it's really hard to play professional baseball, especially when it's your first year. So I think Ellie's going to be fine in the long term. I think he just we might just have to be a little bit more patient with him versus some of these other more polished collegiate hitters that are a couple of years more advanced than Ellie. But I think down the home stretch, uh, while I do think he still brings uh, value in terms of his hitting, uh, his raw power, and his speed, I also am a believer that with eight games to go and you're fighting for that last playoff spot, you got to go with the you know the hot bats, and you got to go with who's hitting right now. And the guys that are hitting right now, uh, Noel V. Marte, you know Jonathan India has come back. He's looked pretty good since he's come back. So, as much as I think Ellie has a bright, bright future, and as much as I think that he can still help this team down the stretch, I'm not sure he's guaranteed a spot in that starting lineup here for the last week. One guy that I wanted to ask you about, maybe a guy that we didn't really give proper due to because kind of how abruptly his season ended. And, you know, when you do this on a daily basis, you kind of uh, have to move to the next thing. But Graham Ashcraft, I know that's a guy you really like. He had a roller coaster of a season, but he ended the year just incredibly strong. And I personally think it gives you a lot of hope for him in the future and maybe one of the true bright spots in this rotation this year. No doubt about it. Nick, if you take out that like eight start stretch that he had in May and June, he had like a 2.9 ERA this year. Like he was a top 10 pitcher in baseball minus seven starts this year. And obviously, uh, you know, as he gets older and as he, uh, as he uh, re recovers from a couple of injuries and as he uh, learns, you know, how to pitch more effectively, uh, consistently at the big league level, um, he's only going to get better in that regard. We've already seen from all three pitchers, uh, young horses for the Reds, not quoting Abbott, the three that we saw last year in Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and uh, Graham Ashcraft. Of course, uh, Lodolo had almost a wash of a year, but we've seen all three of those guys and Andrew Abbott, when they are on their game, they are dominant big league starting pitchers. 
And that's something that's not guaranteed with any big league arm. So we've seen what they can be when they're on. Now the next step for their career, Nick, is just to be on more consistently. All right, last question for you, Shay. This weekend probably will be Joey Votto's last at least regular season games at Great American Ballpark with the Reds. Shay, as someone who's been a fan of this team for a long time, what has Joey Votto meant to you? Uh, well, that's, I mean, that's a easy and tough question to answer at the same time. I think Joey Votto, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. is definitely my the player that kind of got me into baseball, but Joey Votto is definitely the player that got me into watching the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, I was born in 1999, so when Joey Votto came up, I was eight years old. Uh, and you're uh, you're just watching a guy that you know. I mean, he just to see the arc, I guess, of his career, where he was always a quality hitter. He was always a uh, uh, you know, just a, it almost felt like a robot at times uh, in the batter's box. But to see, I think the coolest part of the Joey Votto experience in the decade plus I've really uh, followed him closely is the growth of him off the field. I mean. His first couple of years in Cincinnati, Nick, I mean, you would have thought it was a robot. He really didn't say that much to the media. He really didn't say that much uh, off the field about his personal life, about his life outside of baseball. It was just, I'm the first baseman for the Cincinnati Reds, and that's all I am. I mean, we never even heard of Joey, uh, from Joey Votto in the offseason. And now, I mean, we see him driving school buses and giving interviews on MLB Network and, you know, uh, Pork Ranger gear. And it's just, uh, it's cool to see that, as Joey Votto's gotten older and become one of the greatest, undisputed, one of the greatest hitters uh, in Cincinnati Reds history and one of the greatest hitters in the 21st century, uh, to see him open up, to see him accept the city of Cincinnati as his home away from home, to see him uh, truly let fans and media and that organization and that city into his life outside of baseball. And I think that's the coolest part of it. That's the part I'm going to miss about it the most, Nick. I mean, he's one heck of a baseball player, and we're probably never going to see another player like him for at least a long time in Cincinnati. But I don't think we're also going to see a player or a person like him for a long time in Cincinnati either. So that's that's what's been the most fun about following Joey Votto. All right, Shay, you're the best. Thanks as always. Thanks for all your help this year, uh, helping Chatterbox Reds uh, get off the ground. Uh, I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a blast and uh, anytime. Let's turn our attention now to the Reds minor leagues with the Reds MILB report. Double A Chattanooga unfortunately had their season end. They lose five to one to Tennessee. The lookouts are swept in the best of three series in the Southern League playoffs. In that game, Blake Dunn, Edwin Arroyo and Reese Hines all went 0 for three with a walk. Chase Petty did not get a start in the series. Sam Ben Schuster started and didn't get past the second inning. This was the lookout's first trip to the playoffs since they returned to the Reds organization in 2019, and they finished their season at 70 and 67, a vast improvement over the 61 and 75 record they had last year. As for AAA, they fell in 10 innings to Iowa, 7 to 6. The Bats now sit at 72 and 73 and need to win two of their final three to finish at 500. The Bats haven't finished 500 or better since 2011. Nick Kirby favorite Jose Barrero homers yet again. He now has a home run in four of his last five games, the only game in which he didn't hit a home run. He went four for four with two doubles. Jose Barrero is on fire and, quite frankly, is making some noise for a roster spot next year. 
Nick and I's favorite Jacob Herdebees reached base twice in the game as well. Christian Roa went five and two thirds, gave up four hits, two earned runs, three walks, and eight strikeouts. The Reds' 2020 second round draft pick put up a 3.44 ERA in his final seven starts. He had 60 strikeouts in 39 and two thirds innings pitched in those seven games. Casey Legamina struggled a little bit. One inning pitched, four hits, two earned runs, two walks, and a strikeout. We now turn our attention to this upcoming weekend for a huge series. The Reds start a three-game series against the Pirates at 6.40 p.m. Friday night at Great American Ballpark, the final home series of 2023, maybe the final home series of Joey Votto's illustrious Reds career, to be determined. We'll see how that works out. Pittsburgh comes into the series off wins in two of three games over the Cubs. Pittsburgh was 27 and 23 in their last 50 games. Meanwhile, the Reds sit at 22 and 27 in that same span. Pirates offense had been really struggling, but coming off of this series with the Cubs, they scored 21 runs in their last two games. Key Brian Hayes really sparking the offense, hitting 320 with a 933 OPS so far in the second half. Josh Palacios and Miguel Andujar are also hot of late. Palacios hit that late home run that you heard at the top of the show. Three-run shot in the ninth that really put away the Cubs. The Reds will get a break, though. They missed the Pirates' two best starters in Mitch Keller and Johan Oviedo. The Pirates have not officially announced their starting pitchers, but the three most likely in line have been kind of up and down between the majors at AAA this year and did not exactly have great numbers at AAA either. Let's take a look at those matchups. For the Reds, Friday expected to be Andrew Abbott. The Reds have announced their rotation. The Pirates have not uh, Friday night. So Andrew Abbott will go up against expected to be Luis Ortiz. He comes in with a 4.85 ERA in 78 innings pitched. Saturday, Connor Phillips gets the ball again, coming off of his strong start last time out. He is likely to face Andre Jackson. He's coming in 55 innings pitched so far this year with a 5.40 ERA. And Sunday, Willie Brandon Williamson will take the mound for the Reds for a 141st pitch. He goes up against expected starter for the Pirates, Bailey Falter. He comes in with a 4.58 ERA in 78 and two-thirds innings pitched. Friday is a 640 start as is Saturday. Sunday, 1.40 p.m., and I tell you what, the Reds will need you in attendance. This is a huge series. The Reds are just 4-6 and six versus the Pirates in 2023 and 4-13 and in their last 17 games dating back to 2022, but Reds did win the last series against the Pirates. In that series, which was in Pittsburgh, Andrew Abbott went 5-2, and two thirds, two runs, no walks, and nine strikeouts. Brandon Williamson also threw 5-2 and two thirds innings of one-run ball in that series. Friday's schedule is loaded. This weekend is loaded with huge matchups in the NL wildcard race. In addition to the Reds versus Pirates, the Cubs will host the Rockies Friday. That is a 2-20 game, so the Reds have a potential since their last game to gain one and a half games in the NL wildcard race if the Rockies are able to come through. Jamison Tyon is on the mound for the Cubs going up against Noah Davis, who the Reds traded to the Rockies for Michael Givens. The Marlins host the Reds' in-division rival, the Brewers, at 6.40 on Friday. No starting pitcher yet announced for the Marlins. They will have to face Corbin Burns on Friday, however, 
And then Brandon Woodruff on Saturday and Freddie Peralta on Sunday for the Brewers. Something to watch is the Brewers' magic number to win the NL Central is down to two. So that could play a part in this series if the Brewers win the first two and clinch early and decide to give guys days off. The Diamondbacks are at the Yankees. It will be Brandon Fought for the D-backs going up against Old Red Luke Weaver for the Yankees making his home debut for the Yanks. We'll see what Weaver can do and if he can help out his old ball club, the Reds. Out on the West Coast, the Giants are at the Dodgers. Like we said earlier, the Giants are probably toast, but we'll keep them in this rundown until they prove us otherwise. That'll do it for this edition of Chatterbox Reds. Like I said, this is a huge weekend for the Reds with the Pirates coming to town and a number of big matchups all across the NL. Really encourage you to get down to Great American Ballpark if you are able. Appreciate you listening. Chatterbox Reds live on YouTube will be going live in the ninth inning, most likely around 9 p.m., depending on how the game goes. And as always, go Reds. Go Reds.